I know there's a, like right under those trees, I don't know, it's fairly high. It's about that, you can lean against I'm, it. I'm and also grab my truck car, you parked over here, George? I'm just parked up in here, yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, awesome. I'll, I'll see you over there. society from from day one yeah. it's been Indians and cowboys yeah you're listening to unsettled journeys in truth and conciliation a podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers undermining stereotypes and fighting racism I'm Jessica Vandenberg and my co-host is George Lee It is always a great honor to be asked to acknowledge the land we stand on and the peoples of this land. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional territory of Treaty 6, Métis Nation Zone Number 4 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And you may be joining from another treaty region, another Métis Nation Zone, unceded land or a different area. We stand upon a land that carries the footsteps and hearts of many First Nations Métis Inuit peoples that have been here for thousands of years and many generations. We would like to acknowledge our and their relationship with Mother Earth and the traumatic and oppressive history that they have been through. It is an interconnected relationship that we have with land spirit, but we're all relations and we all have an obligation to that relationship. This land has nourished and healed, protected and embraced us. And we're grateful to the Indigenous peoples that have been stewards of this interconnected relationship with Mother Earth and land spirit. We're all relations, and as such, we all respect each other in our beliefs, but also our own individual relationships with Mother Earth and Land Spirit. And so from my heart and spirit to yours, I open this podcast in a good way. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 10, dropping on Tuesday, June 30th, 2022. George Lee here, the producer of the podcast. I'm also one of its co-hosts. I have a few things to preface this episode with, so please bear with me. Or skip ahead, your choice, obviously. First of all, some notes on the podcast itself. We've been blending some past episodes into our schedule. That's been necessary because of a few logistical and technical issues we're facing. We're sorting those out, so expect a better and more professional-sounding podcast as we continue this personal and professional journey. But this episode is new and sparkly, featuring an interview that takes place last summer. I look at it as an oral history piece, so I didn't drill down or probe a lot as I chatted with my childhood friend, Arnie Baptiste. The interview takes place in a crowded flea market in Penticton in the middle of forest fire season last year. There's a lot of atmosphere or ambient sound. Arnie's band is part of the Selic territory or Okanagan territory, and his native tongue is Nsilikshin. Jessica fans, do not despair. She's also in this episode. 
Stainless steel little dish is good, it's better than plastic. I want to give free. Fresh is dirty. Plastic's no good, that's good. That's his bowl. You got some more? No, I got it on the truck. I got some. Sure. I'll, yeah. I'll be back. Thank you. <laughs> very much. Oh, you're welcome. I just love him. I just love you. Yeah. Yep, oh. I'll take that and I'll put that in his little bowl. And That's his. Yeah, you yeah. bet. Thank you. Thank you so much. much. Yeah. Quite a few years and a lot of things happened and it's been quite an eventful time in life that one uh, one comes to understand you can't predict it that's why I said that I don't measure my days and say how many how many uh, years I've been around it's kind of I like I don't even know when I lost touch with you I remember everybody we... just moved on I lived in the states for many years after I got old enough to um, to be well not be on my my own when I turned just, just before my 18th birthday, my parents um, said, you know, you, you can't live here no more. Yeah. You're yeah. old enough to go on your own. You're old enough to Yeah, we just um, got when I done at King Days, uh, I was working in uh, various uh, places, help do my uh, ranching responsibilities with uncles, etc., that kind of thing. And uh, I worked in the sawmill for quite a few years. Uh, well, not quite a few years. I started when I was born. Maybe. Yeah, that, and that would be green, what was Greenwood. It? Greenwood. Greenwood. Yeah. 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 But about 14 years old. This just before my 15th birthday. Wow. I worked there till I was 18. And uh, and the same thing then. when uh, when I was uh, going to school. I, I really had no uh, Princess Margaret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we went to uh, Snowden for grade okay. school, and uh, in the summer times, I didn't realize we were in uh, in what they call day school. Oh yeah, uh, yes, yeah. So you went to day school I in the summer. I didn't realize yeah. that's what we were doing. And was it, was it a, so that would have been the federal day school, so came out no, of, that no? was, uh, uh, might have been, I don't, yeah. I, like I said, I don't know yeah. nothing about it. All, all I know is we'd end up in these churches, okay. downstairs doing a bunch of stuff, eating a bunch of cookies, yeah. <laughs> playing with clay. Okay, yeah. And uh, looking at, looking at statues I see in graveyards. Yeah. Uh, that, that you know, you know, angels and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what I mean. Not, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not, not. So it was religious education from a Catholic church or something. Or from, something like yeah. that. I don't know what it was. We, I just enjoyed the cookies and the games, and yeah, we got to read books and sit there and listen to some man or woman talk about um, how we should be good. Uh, 
just a bunch of stuff like that. We yeah. watch a movie every now and again. But then we'd all stop and then we'd have to say what they're saying to us. Yeah. And we'd, we'd stop and then, and then we'd get in this one, we'd get in this um, particular some things or, or say some words. So how old were you? Yeah. I was there when I was, geez, I was just a kid. I think maybe six or seven. Okay. Six years old. And we we were in that till, well, we moved uh, back into the mountains when I was 12. So that went on for about five, five years, maybe. Better part of six years anyways. Better part of six years, we we were we were um, okay. Uh, watching movies, and then every Christmas we go down to the, the where the library is now. Yeah. <clears throat> and we go there for a, a Christmas get together. Those people that were in those places, I recognized them. Uh, they had a Santa Claus there, and they had a big old tree, and they had. A, yeah, it kind of begged, begged food for us. It wasn't turkeys or anything yeah, like yeah. that during Christmas time. It was all baked lunches and milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we did that. We, I remember that. But yeah. I, I just realized because now that there's this um, reconciliation, uh, residential school survivors, and all this kind of stuff, right. and they came and asked. My family, Bob, my uh, cousins asked or mentioned. No, it was actually my uncle mentioned that um, he asked, "Did you go to that that day school at home?" No, I didn't go to no day school because you didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. I had no clue what it was. I didn't didn't um, didn't uh, uh, put two and two together, but. But now that I think about it, we were uh, in a we were in a church basement. Three of them. I can't remember where that other one was. There was two on Main, and there was one further, further kind of back up from Fairview. That's all I remember. Okay. Okay. We'd go there every now and again to watch movies and do the same thing, yeah. say some prayers and whatnot. Yeah. I think they called it prayers because they, they, we'd just sit there and we would kind of just mumble along because yeah. we wouldn't, didn't know what the next word was and we'd just finish mumbling with them. Then we'd be back to our cookies and our clay. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't know that. I don't know if you could call that day school or. or yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We didn't get registered. They just came and picked us up, took us over there, and brought us back. Wow, and we we're yeah. back to our chores. Yeah. Got picked every Saturday and Sunday. And in the middle of August, we'd all end up at um, Okanagan Park up there, up the lake here. Uh, all of us were reserved kids, rest kids would end up there. Two buses of us going from here to there. And we'd spend a day there in the beach. Same people. Thank you. Same same people. Who were at these these, at these, these little places. Anyways, yeah, yeah that's yeah. 
we went to um, regular school, if you could call that. I remember going to school when I was probably six years old. Yeah. Six, no, nothing about school. That my parents were, um, what do you call seasonal workers, apple okay. pickers, orchard workers, seasonal, and we, we ended up all over the place. Down the states, all over the place here, they'd be in the orchard, and, and they knew a lot of they knew a lot of um, uh, orchards. Yeah. Anyways, um, we'd get back probably uh, October, middle of October, end of October. We'd get back, and then we'd end up in school. You'd already be behind because school had started in September. I, I don't know if it was behind or not. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember doing any schoolwork. So was this at Snowden or was this was at Snowden? Oh, okay. We'd go from Snowden. We'd walk across the lawn. All of us kids lined up. We'd walk yeah. across the lawn. First, it was in the classroom. We were off to the side. Yeah. And uh, that's all. That's that's all that we were. We, we, we sat there, colored, on coloring books, and went to the bathroom and came back. Yeah. All the other, all wow. the other um, Caucasian children yeah. were in, in, in class, in front of the black, in front of the chalkboard. So they just put you off to the side to do a different... little desks yeah. where there was coloring. Yeah. And then that went on uh, for a little while. I, I can't see how long. long. Yeah. Uh, I, just a kid then, but I remember this. Yeah, yeah. I remember sitting there watching this. These kids were being taught, being taught. Yeah. And uh, watching this, and then all these kids sitting there, and then my, my cousin would say, you know, motion, keep calling. Yeah. What else are we gonna do? Yeah. yeah. What else? There's we couldn't say, you know, hey, can I, can I be, can I? Get in this math team or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember sitting there, and then that changed. We were all moved from there to the um, cafeteria, and that's where we sat and colored on on it. We we moved from table to table. There was cartoon coloring books, animal coloring books, all in all in yeah. in. Uh, sections and that's where we sat and I remember that I remember what yeah. I went six seven and when I was seven eight-ish in between seven and then I and then I realized what school was because we lived down the states <coughs> and uh, when we lived in the states I realized that actually did pencil and paper, and uh, I really enjoyed doing that part. And there was uh, teachers who were willing to at least pursue that option of addressing, educating the, the little brown kids. Yeah. I liked listening to and writing, but that didn't happen too much. Wow. Because we didn't, we didn't really get to... I had no idea that that's the way they did it. That they gave, that uh, that they just treated you 
as a separate type of education that they did, and they concentrated on the white kids. I remember this yeah. clearly because yeah. I, I, I enjoyed doing that work. I bring home some work, some stuff that they, they do all of a sudden they'd have for us. And I enjoyed learning how to write. Yeah, yeah. Learning how to um, to draw lines between like shapes, unlike shapes, you know, the grade, grade kindergarten, I mean, yeah. uh, grade one, two stuff. Yeah. I, I enjoyed round, square, you know, whatever, yeah. cat, dog, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I remember sitting, all, I, I remember that, not, not being involved in the education system or yeah. work, teacher in, in front of the class till way later till about seven or eight years old. Wow. That there was a purpose to go to that place, not just go there and call it. Yeah. Go there and okay, it's lunchtime, and we'd be in the lunchroom. Yeah, you'd be right there, yeah. yeah. So we just kind of tidy up our little space, put everything in the middle of the table, have our lunch. Yeah. Take our take our utensils and whatnot to the bins, and then come back and then start all over again. What I found really striking about it is me having been growing up at parallel time. You know, this is within my lifetime, and I had no idea that there was this. I was going to a different school. The school I went to, I don't think there are any Indigenous kids in the school I went to. And most of the indigenous kids, they probably put in this Snowden Elementary, which was on the other side of town. And it was when I went to junior high, which was adjacent to the school he mentioned, I started to have uh, indigenous people in my classes, those that were continuing on into, into junior high. And then, and then some of them obviously off to high school and everything too. But it was um, striking to me the, di the difference and the, uh, and the awareness of being treated as somebody different. And the lack of expectation, the idea that this is okay to take a group of children and give them less opportunity than the other kids in the school, it, it just floors me. But then I think back and I realize, well, I'm 60-some years old. That was the 1960s. I mean, there are different times. And that's the thing that always is important to ground people in because you hear a lot about residential schools, but there were so many other institutional tactics taken, right? 60 scoop we've talked about, um, Indian hospitals, Indian day schools, um, so many other things, um, like even for the Métis, them living in the road allowances on the sides of roads, like, and for the Inuit there, there's different tactics taken to the North too. And, um, you know, people are, quite upset about residential schools, but that's one of many things that was taken um, in order to achieve this cultural genocide that the, the government had done in coercion with churches and um, other authority uh, with the RCP, with the enforcement, like with, with legal system, like all that stuff is all systematic everywhere. And it's not just a singular thing. And that's the part that I think it's important to amplify in this, like this the day school is different than residential schools and just another tactic that was taken. And so think about, you know, we've talked a lot about um, the recoveries that have happened this year. There are more places where there are likely unaccounted for children. It's just scratching the surface right now. Yeah. And this really, this really emphasizes that there were, they were treated differently. There were lower expectations for them. Uh, it was like, 
it was like our role here is not to allow them a school that will allow them to reach their top potential and find out who they are as human beings as they go through the system and learn. The most important job society thought there was, was to indoctrinate them into our religions and to, to, as the old saying goes, is to take the Indian out of the Indian. Excuse my ignorance, they were still doing that while I was going to school and thinking, and not even knowing about any of this stuff. 100% in the underlying tone with all of it is, you know, Indigenous people are not capable. Um, somebody has to look after them. We, like they, they will never be smart enough to make it through the system. So why do we even teach them, right? Like in this, it's the undertone that's there. So let's just, you know, let's just turn on a video and, you know, sit them there and, and not help them along the way. This stuff always uh, gets me all riled up because <laughs> then, then, you know, universities now say, how do we get more Indigenous um, youth in? How do we get more in there? How do we open doors? Well, they've been set at a pace in, in this game, like already set to fail from before kindergarten. And then to have to meet entrance requirements is what they are and, and things like that. Like it's the system's just stacked against so many people, but the capability is there. Like the capability is there when like 100%. listening to Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation, a podcast of open and respectful conversation. I'm George Lee. My co-host is Jessica Vandenberg. revolved around this restaurant called the Donut King and anybody who grew up on my end of town in Penticton well all over town they knew about the Donut King and I was I was one of the people that hung out there and that's where I first met Arnie's dad his dad would come there and have coffee on Saturdays and Sundays and then there were all us high school kids there and I often I often sat with his dad Larry who uh will who we talk about uh, uh later on the one woman who came came up and she was trying to buy his dog. And I, and I felt like the, the assumption was, you know, that an Indigenous person has got this dog. It must be for sale. And and but he was so gracious, especially when she brought the uh, the metal dish, which he just accepted, you know, fine. And then afterwards, when we're going back. So he had these blue dishes and he said, and he and he tapped he tapped one of his dishes and he says, "Yeah, minor metal too." You know, he wasn't feeding the dog in a plastic dish, but he wasn't going to embarrass that woman. He was just absolutely grateful for the interaction he had with her. And I was less than that. Like I was like, just you know, the guy knows what he's doing. He's looking after his dog. It's okay, you know. And but he just treated it entirely differently. You hit on something very important here, right? So. The elders walk with the seven sacred teachings um, and definitely humility is one that often I don't see in a lot of people necessarily as prominent as, as I do in elder. But the other one is gratitude. No matter what, it's always attitude of gratitude Like you always, no matter what the situation, it's fun in a way of being grateful. Like even if to somebody else, it looks condescending or 
whatever, it still spun as grateful. And that is such the gift of, you know, because having walked with so many elders and knowledge keepers, and they tell me the stories of the things that they've been through, and yet they're so grateful and they're so happy and they ground in humor and they lift up everybody around them. And um, like, they're, they're never caught up in the sadness of it or the anger or disgust or fear or any of it. It's always, they're still grateful. They're just grateful. Right. And it just, it's such an inspiration. Right. Well, and that makes me think of his dad too. I mean, so much of that came down from his dad and I knew some of the, some of the brothers as well, but Arnie was the one I knew, I knew the best. And the dad I hung out with quite a bit. And he was just this quiet, gentle person, especially having gone through what he, you know, must have gone through in residential school. And yet, you know, there he there he was as just this this guy that you just felt comfortable being around. And he just had this quiet kind of confidence that was that just came to just kind of self-knowledge or something which now that I know more about his story, I assume is attached to the fact that he remained so, so connected to his culture and was able to pass it on. Your family was all, always, as I knew you anyway, we're always quite connected to, to your culture. Oh, I no, believe. They still, yeah. still do what we were doing back then. Berries and roots and ceremonies and all these yeah. kinds of things. That's, that's, uh, that's who we are. Like, yeah. That's who we are first. We're not, we're not, um, um, no, I wouldn't. We're still that. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, that's, that's, that's who we are. Yeah, that's and who so my your life has been, and so your life has been largely around uh, working on the land and, and being on the land. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. But, involved and married and moved to the States and had children. Two of my children passed away and uh, it's just, it's been an array of something. Wow. That has come to to be in my life. But we've always been, no matter where I've been, I married a lady from up north, gal from up north, and same thing when I moved up there. I did never moved away from any cultural activities, traditional activities, yeah. land-based activities, you know our ways activities. Never been away from it. Yeah. Ever. Here's one thing I remember. I remember we were walking, you and I were walking just over here somewhere along the main street. And uh, I, I, I just, and I remember one of my school friends you know how the cars go up and down when we were kids would just go up and down main street you know and one of my one of my people from my class stuck his head out the window and he did this he did a like because you know you had to break you were quite obviously indigenous you could tell as you were driving by and he did that uh like hollywood indian signal to you put tapping his hand to his mouth and I just remember being so incredibly embarrassed for my group of other friends, you know, who were, I remember thinking, wow, because I wasn't brought up with that, like my mom didn't, uh, my mom was very just inclusive of everybody. I mean, it was just, there was never, you were never, you would never be mistreated because you were 
of a different color or a different culture or anything like that. And I think probably the guy was just a kid. You know, I don't don't know that that lasted his whole life. But that's one thing I remember when we were together. And I remember just be, being profoundly embarrassed. I don't know whether we talked about it. Not embarrassed for myself, but embarrassed for other people like me, you know. That's the um, thing about um, my upbringing. Uh, ignorance is understandable. Uh, and um, my father and mother made a point. Uh, as long as I knew who I was, as long as I knew, and uh, I, I understood that they, they were responsible their responsibilities was to make sure that um, I knew who I was, who I am, as their, their trial of, of dark skin and, and, and ways that, that fulfill a connection between the time that I'm here and wherever I end up. Yeah. The day that I end up wherever this, when this ends for me, wherever I end up, uh, I realized that a long time ago that it is what it is, and we've been we've been uh, not marginalized. I won't say that segregated. Um, selectively segregated in every aspect of the world verbally, physically emotionally, mentally from from mainstream society from from day one yeah. it's been Indians and cowboys yeah. 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 just from day one and now my parents realized that they both went to residential school we did it but we experienced residential school behavior because all of our relatives went Yeah, yeah. When my parents were together and when they separated and yeah. we ended up somewhere else, they, um, they, um, they experienced the, the effects of residential school. Yeah. Had on, on, on other on just the people you knew, yeah. yeah. But in the... In, in the scope of things, we were always taught that uh, it doesn't matter how different people attempt to make us feel, attempt to make us feel, uh, it's what we feel about ourselves that counts in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. It's what we feel about ourselves. Yeah. If um, I, I I look at if I look at them, I'm I'm being selected or or there's a selection of of uh, like this or I'm that, and I accept that. I lose what I'm responsible for. And what I'm responsible for is to make sure that when I reach wherever it is that I'm going, my father and mother is instilled in, in, in me anyways, yeah. that um, 
I have only one chance at this. Yeah, yeah. One chance. Yeah. And then losing two of my children solidified oh. that. Yeah. I have only one chance. Yeah. At this whole thing. And if I allow someone else to take over on what bigger means of existence I apply to my life in regards to making it day to day to day to day to day. Yeah. That 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 uh, motion of war hooping is always gonna be there. Yeah. It is never gonna change. And I, I, I can't apply any any means to it except be who I am. When people see this man, they know they're looking at an indigenous, first name, whatever the, the, yeah. the term is that we're we're collectively given. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they people know. There's no question, like you say, man. There's no question that um, are you Asian or are you um, part um, African American? They know. Yeah. Who yeah. I am. Yeah. No matter where I am, I have no reason to be sad about it. Yeah. Good. Wow. I have no reason to be sad about it. My parents were them. They taught me to be part of them and and, and know that mm -hmm. I have a responsibility to be. Yeah. Be one whole part of myself. Yeah. And uh, I'm only I only got one kick at this can, and I'm not gonna let anybody kick it for me. <laughs> we were always language speakers. Yes. We were always culture so curious. Wow. We were always yeah. uh, nice. And 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 a lot of my own relatives were. So yeah. it caused caused a lot of dissension in yeah in 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 in, in them. Within the family, within yeah. the within the larger community, cousins yeah. and out, yeah, <laughs> in-law cousins, outlaw cousins, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Because you're involved right now in in uh, in further instilling the language. Like I understand, there's not a lot of a lot of speakers, fluent no. speakers. There's not a lot. No, of there's not very many. Yeah, probably a handful of us still on this reserve. Whereas when we were when we we were younger, there were they were. Almost the entire reserve was speakers. What well, is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah, you bet. Yeah. But then that's why I'm fluent. Yeah. No one spoke to us in, in English. Wow. I was freaked out when I first heard my mom and dad speak English. Is that right? Yeah. I died. Yeah. We grew up with three older boys, Mary, yeah. Richard, late Richard, and myself. Yeah. Grew up. No matter where we were at. We grew up um, speaking our language. Nice. I was freaked out when I heard, first heard, my, I couldn't believe what the word, what was coming out of my daddy's mouth. Yeah. What was coming out of my mommy's mouth. I couldn't believe it. And you're and you're an elder, so I, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I think it. Well, I saw you portrayed as an elder. Let's put it that way I on the website. I, I can't. You don't, uh, the, the label means nothing to you? No, I, I know what an elder is, all wise, and I can go to them and they can make me feel better about myself and make yep. me understand how, yeah, I know what elder means yep. to me, and I certainly don't, I, 
You don't feel you... I don't know if I qualified and I've gotten to that point in my life. Yeah, yeah. George, I can't see it. Yeah. I, I really don't... I really don't know what that what that term... How it applies to you, How directly. does it apply to me? I know how it applies yeah. in regards to someone else that, that, yeah. that is, is an elder, yeah, elder exactly. to elder to me. Yes, yeah. I know what elders are to me. Gotcha. Okay. That's a good... Okay. And uh, I can't say that I, I, I am... Uh, I... I... I, I just can't. I, yeah. I, I know that they say, okay, now, um, um, I, I just not happening for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're doing a lot of, uh, you're doing important work for your culture, regardless of whether you define yourself. I don't know if it's important. I just continue it on, and if it's yeah. accepted, it's accepted. Yeah. If it's not, then, then uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to not share yeah. what I was given, yes. what I was, what, what, um, the very thing that people wanted to take away from my parents gave to, gave that yeah. to me, and if they could keep it, who am I not to, not to, to do as much as I can on a daily basis to, yeah. to provide that information to all of my relatives, my grandchildren, my nice. of people. Who, who am I to to say that um, I'm gonna select? My parents gave me this information freely, and it has helped me do some pretty awful times. So you, um, so you still ranch and everything, and you, uh, and you, but you also work for the band as well, or? or? Yeah, I, I raise up. Well, I don't know if I rant. I'm just, uh, I enjoy having those those uh, horses in my life. Nice. Well, I got into it because I, I want to turn them over to my school. Okay. And uh, that's what I do for my band. If you want to call that, the work I do for my band. Uh, I'm, a, I'm one of the cultural language teachers. Nice. After I got got tired of doing this and doing that, I, I worked all kinds of jobs. I fished on the ocean. I drove semis. And wow! I played ranched cattle. I, I welded and I drove dump truck. I did all kinds of wow. jobs all over these years. I worked and. I even went to work in orchards. I, I, I um, even sold arts and crafts briefly. Wow. I did all kinds of jobs. Nice. But I, I, I never, never um, filled a gap. I am who I am. And if I'm... I'm, I'm if, I'm only who I am, uh, and uh, there's nobody else like me, then I'm alone. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to be alone. I wanted somebody to speak my language back to me, yeah. understand my culture back to me, share in my, my endeavors as a, as a uh, 
a man, a man who knows where berries are, where, how to hunt, how to gather this and that and do what my parents showed me how to do. If I'm, if I'm the only one, then I uh, then then I'm uh, then I'm alone. I'm by myself. I, I, wow. I'm just gonna throw a couple other memories out there. I remember going to there's a big campground behind the powwow, and you had me out on the on the reserve for that. And I was like, and I w I remember walking through there, and being the only white guy <laughs> between all the little camps in the uh, in the powwow, and thinking. Oh, okay. This is what it's like on the other side when you're the when, when everyone kind of looks at you like, what's what's that guy doing here? <laughs> but it was I was very welcomed and everything. Yeah. And then and then another thing I remember is my because my dad lived in Vancouver, and we went to Mission, and there was a I think a rodeo, and there was a part of it was a was a uh, indigenous. Thing going on on the in the infield when we were there, and there was a teepee up, and you guys were there, and I said, "Oh, these yeah. are my these are my friends from from Penticton," and so my dad got a tour of the teepee, and I was so proud of him because he was there, and because my dad always dressed for work in the office, right? Yeah. When we would go on, he'd go on these little adventures in the in the area of Vancouver, but he always had a sports jacket, never a tie, but always a sports jacket on and slacks, you know. And there he was in this uh, in this teepee, and he was a short guy. He was like five foot uh, five foot one or so. My dad was, and uh, there he was in this teepee, just you know, just got right in there. And okay, I'll uh, I'll check this out if my son's interested in this. So, and these are his friends. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very neat. Yeah, that's the. Uh... Yeah, it always like I said that that's why. I didn't, I don't want to point in any particular direction, yeah. but I've always wanted, I've always enjoyed singing, dig, yeah. digging, or singing, or whatever, just being who we are. Yeah. Because that's who we are. It's, it's, it's just to laugh watching those old westerns. And yeah. I always wanted to, like I know. Who I am, like I was saying. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm the only one that speaks, you know, my family's the only one, we're really isolated. Yeah. Again. Yeah. We're yeah. isolated. And now by your own people the, too. We're, yeah. We're the only ones. Yeah. That that sharing the language, sharing the culture, sharing the uh, whatever it is, however that looks, the dance, the um, words, the yeah. The, the gesture, the area, the, the function, whatever it might be, we're still alone. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I couldn't see that, and it's, and uh, and regardless whether my residential school past generation didn't pass down what it was that my father and mother passed down to me. I didn't want to be alone. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I wanted somebody to speak back to me in my language, yeah. and not just my family. Yeah. So I, I, I realized that um, they had programs where they were um, teaching language before my parents said that's it. Before my parents 
said, well, you're old enough to be on your own. You better go live your own. Yeah. Life. You can't live with us anymore. And uh, before that, I, I began helping teach language when I was about 14 years old with my father at Princess Margaret. Wow, really? Yep. Wow. People wanted to learn, so we, we got, I got involved in language and, and been with the language. I, I understand two other languages. I understand Cree and understand nice. a southern language, and I can speak a northern language in my own. Nice. And, uh, and, uh, that's what uh, I realized that there was programs available. But every one of those programs said all you need a degree. You're listening to Unsettled. Journeys in Truth and Conciliation, a podcast of ideas, solutions, and respectful conversations. I'm Jessica Vandenberg, and my co-host is George Lee. That clip speaks so much to the power of culture and the importance of identity. And I mean, it gives me shivers in places the way he describes it in in such straightforward yet kind of poetic ways, what it means to be who he is and what it means to have retained and being able to share the things in his life that the residential schools were trying to take away from his mom and dad. And for that to have changed so dramatically in a few generations from when most, when he was growing up, most of the people, the the generation before were speaking their language and then they weren't like, well, I wonder what did that. It was the success of the programs against them. And, and yet they didn't completely succeed because of people like Arnie. I agree that clip has so much in it all the way from, Um, the magic of elders that we were kind of talking about to introducing culture, like a little bit about your dad and going into the TV to language and struggling with that. And how do you get to a point where you become who you were meant to be? Because that's what the elders teach us, right? Like, despite what happens in our human form here and the things that happen to us, our spiritual self has already, already knows who it is, right? And so in our human world here, we are just trying to find our way back to who we are and then grow our spirit during our time here on, on earth. And then we return to the spirit world. And there's so many teachings and stories about connection to the spirit world and guides. And there's so much that goes into that. But um, it makes me so happy having met so many people who have become who you know that's who they were supposed to be, if that makes any sense, right? And it really sounds like Arnie has found who he was meant to be despite all these trials and tribulations that the world throws at you. And when I think for myself, if I live the average age, I'm midlife right now, right? And there are pieces that I'm learning that were always with me 
but didn't fit the systems that I grew up in. So what I believe now spiritually is who I'm meant to be, but it never quite fit with my Catholic upbringing, right? Or like pieces of it resonated, but pieces of it didn't. And same with identity. There's things that just are naturally things that I do. And then now that I reconnect with heritage, I find that is what naturally uh, my people did or elders and not what they're teaching me. I'm like, oh, I already knew that. <laughs> I'm like, that's good. <laughs> that makes sense. Like it's all fitting together and it makes sense. And so to me, that's just another indicator that what the elders teach me is true. And there are things that I have learned along the way because I was meant to learn them on the way. And that's all reassuring, right? And just listening to Arnie reconnect with language. Like language is one of those things too. The elders say we are the language. Like the language is such a key part of culture for prayer, for so many things, right? And so, you know, it was great to hear him chat a little bit about that. This one, there's a few things going on within the community of flea market people and people he runs into at the flea market and buying some chairs for us because we were getting our bums were getting sore up against this concrete barrier that we were sitting on. So a few of those things go on. But the thing that was really moving for me is that as a person I never knew I would ever see again came upon the scene. And that was his uh, his younger brother, who is uh, who is not verbal. Uh, he neither neither speaks nor hears. But he was uh, but I connected with him at a very at a very young age many years ago. And to see him as a grown man was pretty moving for me. So that happens during this clip as well. Hey, Loki. Good. Good to see you. How are you doing? Did you get yourself? This is mine. This is is Arnie's. Hey there. Hi. Loki, this is uh, one of my um, age old friends. Hey, Loki. Nice to meet you. Hello. Water Collie Cross? No. Purebred. Oh, cool. We've got a half collie. No, this is a purebred collie. Nice. Our dog's uh, six years old, a half collie and blue healer and uh, Australian Shepherd Cross. Oh, oh nice. yeah, yeah. She wants to work. Yeah. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. All the energy. We try and make her work with little jobs. She wants to hurt sheep, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. They're, they're pretty energetic. It's yeah. Took us a little, took us a long time to. Been 24 years since I had a puppy. Wow. <laughs> I had one wow, just about 13. Yeah. Stop breathing. Yeah. Stop breathing. Yeah, he's just making fun. And we finally decided after 12 years to get another one. Nice. Can I get him? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to keep going, Malia. Yeah, you can wait. Well, you can be careful. Yeah. Watch yeah. out. Watch what's going on and don't get caught behind it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, for sure. We're trying to get up to uh, to Yukon. So uh, you wow. take care. Of you have to keep on moving and uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't slow down because yeah. get past this. Yeah, you yeah. bet. You You've enjoy. Okay, good yeah. drive safe. Yeah. Yeah. Take Thank care. You. Thank you very much. Have a great yeah. summer, honey. You we'll bet. See you yeah. Oh yeah. Enjoy. Yo, hey, how you doing? Sure. 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 Sure.
six months? Uh, yeah, I will. Okay, cool. okay, awesome. Huh? I, I need another one. I accept tips if you think it's undervalued. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's perfectly <laughs> priced. Uh, you have we got another one like this? Uh, we got some something let's over see, there. Let's see, something over here. There's a bunch of chairs over there. There's that uh, fold-up one. You might want that. Yeah, how about a wooden one? How about 10 bucks for that one? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, oh, it's... It's your call. Yeah? Um, give me 30 bucks. Okay. All right. You're such a darn good guy. Yeah, you're... Hey. I tried it. Uh, yeah. really to be you got there. you got your tip. You got it down. You got yeah. it down. You're not trying. You're actually you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it. Oh, oh no, that's only twenty. <clears throat> How much for the frisbee? There you go. Uh the frisbee. Are those the throwing frisbees? Or are they just regular frisbees? Okay, I'll go, you'll do the dog and I'll do one of the chairs. Okay, awesome. Let's go back to our... Yeah, let's our... our... Thank you. Yep, you better try, you take care. You ready to go? You... How are you doing there? Good, good, good. You, uh, you're good to go tomorrow morning? Okay, I'll meet you down there around. Hi there, I'm George. <laughs> this is my little brother. Oh. Yeah, born oh. and, I was born and raised here. I was born in Summerland. Ah, been here, here okay. family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Been here since. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I was born. Ah. My parents were here, my grandparents. Yeah, and I was oh, born yeah. and raised here. Ah. Yeah, I had to run around. Oh, yeah, here, yeah. But I <laughs> I used to work at the central or the at the going that way, yeah. Years yeah. Ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're ready to go blue. Oh you bet. Yeah. Monday Monday morning, tomorrow morning I'll meet you down there and I'll I'm, I'm gonna go up and grab some hay and drop uh we'll I'll grab some squares. I'm not sure if I'm gonna put those squares in for those mares or squares in for those studs. Okay. I'll know one of the two. But when you get there tomorrow, I'll go up the hill all sorted out. Oh, good. Yeah. And I'll just, and all I need you to do is just go down there and put hay in, water, and uh, shovel that, shovel the shit out of that. I got it all that pasture cleaned out. Alright. So that's all I need. Kayak, give me a smoke. See, Give me a smoke. Good to see you. Good to be on. I was going to go grab mine, but I know you're here. Yeah. You have, where's your lighter? This is a friend of our friend. Hi there. I knew this guy since yeah. I was about 12. Yeah. Maggie. Man, he left. When we would separate separate ways, yeah. Yeah, he used to live with around with us. Yeah, I lived right next to the right next to the reserve, just on Fairview and Hughes, just you down there. Too wild for him, right? Yeah. yeah. No, we grew up. We grew yeah, up we were we were the life. calm ones. We, we were, were decided life was calling. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'll go down there in the morning and. Uh, Put the hay out and you meet me down there at 8, 8, 7, 30, 8 o'clock before it gets too hot. Yeah. And I'll show you what, what uh, I'm, sort, I'm sorting with mares out on the next week. I'm going to haul some up to Chuchua. Oh, cool. 
You heard me try attempting to have a conversation with um with a guy who uh, who didn't speak, and that was Arnie's brother, and he would be, I'm gonna say maybe eight or nine years younger than 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 Arnie. And and I was sleeping at at Arnie's place one time, and I had like a little, uh, I think they put a little mat out for me, and I had a sleeping bag, and I was in the in the middle of the living room, and it's just everybody's gone to bed, and I hear a door open. And this guy at the time, and of course, they all had braids. They were all, you know, because their, their parents raised them that way. So this little guy comes out and he comes up to my bed and he kind of tucks me in, make sure I'm all tucked in before I before I go to sleep. And then he goes back to his room and oh, and that was and that's my memory of him. And to meet him now as a as a man is just, you know, I was a teenager and this kid just it was so moving that this little guy came up. <laughs> and was going to make sure that that I was uh, that that I was comfortable and I was able to get to sleep. So he he tucked me in all those years ago, and I'd never forgotten that moment. Obviously, it was a pretty pretty power pretty powerful one. So it was really cool to actually see him. And anyway, the story he was telling me, to the best of my knowledge, he was telling me about um, about uh, fishing because he had some roads and there was a forked river and he was going the size of the fish and everything. So I think he told me a fish story. I'm not 100% sure but that that's what I got out of it because he because he doesn't speak and he doesn't hear so it was even hard to get confirmation that he knew you know whether I was going on the right track or not anyway so that was that was quite fun It just really showcases the atmosphere that you were in sitting in yeah. like um like I know I know it wasn't there but um like I've sat in flea markets before and I go to a lot of like music festivals and some of them are out in nature I go to North Country Fair and so that's what I picture you know because at North Country Fair uh, everyone just roams around and you know you could just stand there and have a conversation with whoever walks by and that's what I picture right like you know just sitting at the side of the road and the people come by and you have a conversation like that I don't know I don't know what it was like but that's what I pictured. fluent in my yeah. my uh, uh, I know exactly what it is that I needed to do one to do and gotta do and have to do and yeah. and not gonna gonna worry too much about it so like I said I went to teach language with my dad when he was I was 14 yeah. and then uh, we got we got to the point where my dad and mom said uh, 
introduced himself as the teacher and he all turned around and looked at me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, that man's the teacher, I can't remember his name. He said, we got a new student here. So I stood up and I greeted and he looked at me. Yeah. A student? Nice. I told me, yeah, I got to get a grade 12. I need that so that I can get on with my life. And uh, oh man, all all that, all my um, all my um, fellow students were just amazed that somebody my age would go back to school. Yeah, nice. And uh, I hope it helped them out yeah. to make a decision to continue further on. I never yeah. kept them in contact. When uh, oh. it was time to, for graduation, I didn't go. I was busy. I was busy off yeah, yeah. what I needed to be doing. But yeah, I, I had to go back to actual high school to get my high school diploma. Wow. I didn't want to go through a GED or ABE or any of those other courses. I asked my counselor, I want to go back to school. I want to go back to university. I said, well, you can go back as a mature student. You can get your this and you can get that at home. That's not what I want. I know that uh, I didn't finish school because I didn't appreciate that it was the same thing. Um, I went to school to... to um, yeah, the dog is not for sale. To do... Um, Still a puppy, 10 weeks old. Uh, he's 10 weeks old. So um, I, when I was in high school, and that, and like I said, when I was 14, I told my dad, I don't, I'm not getting, I'm not getting what I want out of school. It's not happening for me. He said, well, you either you go to school or you go to work. Yeah. No, there's no place here for you. So I started working when I was 14 in the sawmill. And, uh, and uh, it, it, it just, it, it was just blunt. You're in school, you can stay here. You stay here, you gotta work, you can't just. just uh, there was some toughness to that guy. I mean, I just knew him as this very gentle man in the. It was always so pleasant. I always loved sitting yeah. sitting with your dad at the Donut King. He was always that big. He was that. Yeah. yeah. So I went to work, and uh, but then it always nagged at me. It always nagged at me a lot of things. And one of the things was that I knew what what a non teacher non. In the teaching field, wasn't doing that, so I decided I need to do that so that I can fulfill this whatever needs to be done. So I went back to school, graduated, got my degree, and uh, and I just got a bachelor's degree. I wouldn't go back from my master's or my yeah. doctorate once I got my once I got in that door. That that's all I needed. Yeah, I don't need uh, to. Uh, 
to impress on anyone else that I can get this this much more out of yeah. education. Go that that route. I just. I just just I think it's always admirable that the people go back to education no matter where they are in their lifetime especially for indigenous people when it was banned for them to go to university at one time right like it was a negative thing like you had to choose between your culture or denial of your culture in order to go to the university because what was in the Indian Act is that if you went to university then you lost your Indian status and if you lost your Indian status and of course you admitted that you essentially are uncivilized and you're under the care of, you know, greater settler. Um, um, but you also lost it for all your future generations. So it was a big deal to make that decision, whether you went for education or not. But it's nice to see that Arnie went back for his education. And it is, I don't know, it's a nice story of how he, you know, they thought he was a teacher. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm a student. <laughs> it's a nice story, I think. <laughs> last clip, Arnie speaks to the recoveries of so many uh, remains of children on residential schools in, in Canada. And of course, this is an ongoing story that we'll, we'll carry on. But on this podcast, we are often asking just exactly that, what, this, what the effect these recoveries are having on people. And I think it's important for all of us to keep reminding ourselves of this story and keep checking in with ourselves on what our emotions are about it. The sheer atrocity of it is unfathomable. Yeah. I, I can't put into words how I feel about that because every fiber in my being and everything I know about uh, life is is is, is is beyond the words to 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 offer an opinion about that. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, saying it's it's an absolute atrocity isn't enough. Yeah. yeah. Isn't enough. How can how can you put a a, a, a explain? abolishment of an entire couple of generations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the horrors that it that it passed on to future generations as well through the these are babies. Through the yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for taking the time to listen with me and and share your thoughts on uh, on Arnie's journey. Yeah, you bet. Anytime. It's great to have these conversations. <laughs> you bet. Okay. Thanks a lot, Jessica. <laughs> Thanks. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Unsettled Journeys in Truth and Conciliation is a production of Features West Studios in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Music written and performed by Kevin John. 
member of Cayuca Checklist First Nation on Vancouver Island. Logo conceived and designed by Kareen Riedel and Sandy Brown Van Dam. Find us wherever you download podcasts. We're listed in all the major directories and a lot of the minor ones too. We've got a Facebook page, so be sure to check that out. Wherever and however we connect, be sure to like us, review us, rate us, constructively criticize us, all that stuff. It's Canada Day tomorrow, and that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. However you choose to celebrate or acknowledge the country's 155th birthday, please take a moment, or many moments, to think about the many nations and their cultures that predate Confederation by thousands of years.